Welcome to the East Memorial Ministries podcast. This podcast is the central hub for all audio publications of East Memorial Baptist Church out of Prattville, Alabama. So grab a pen, paper, and your copy of God's Word, and let's study God's truth together. Well, we are in Colossians again, chapter 1, if you'll turn there with me. Colossians 1 this morning. Um, I debated back and forth. I was talking to Clark as well. He teaches a class down the hall, and we were trying to figure out what we're going to do on the day. Are we going to break our series and and go to an Easter lesson, which is what I've done probably most years. But both of us decided to kind of stay on track, but yet just bring in the cross like we try to do every Sunday. Um, And so that's what we're going to do. Just kind of stay on track today. Hopefully you've been able to read uh, your homework, and that was chapter 2 of MacArthur's commentary series of Colossians. I do have more books ordered for those of you who have not received one yet or would like another, and they, w- they should be. They sh- I was hoping they'd be in here but before, e- before Easter, but I think it got delayed because of Easter. So Colossians chapter 1, the last few weeks we've looked down through verse 8, and today we're going to pick up in verse 9, but if you would with me, let's pick back up in Uh, verse 3 and read down through verse 3 we give thanks to God the father of our Lord Jesus Christ he says praying always for you and then he pauses and he starts talking about why he's thanking God verse 4 he says since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth the gospel Verse 6, which has come to you just as in all the world. Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and multiplying just as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow slave, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, who also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Verse 9, this is where we're going to start today. For this reason also, since the day we heard it, We have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the full knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and multiplying in the full knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in this inheritance of the saints in light, who rescued us from the authority of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If you'll just kind of look at verse 9 with me real quick, you'll see that there is a breakdown here. First of all, we've already already studied 1 through 8. We see that he's thanking God and he lists the things he's thanking God for. You'll see very similar phrases and even words used in verses 9 through 14. It's almost like he's going back and he's clarifying and, and just lengthening and deepening his intro. And so he's going back before he gets into the man Jesus Christ in, at, at, in verse 12 down through 14. He starts to talk about what he is praying for. So he's talked about praying for them, thanking God for them, what he's thanked God for. And now in verse 9, he's going to open up what he is praying to God for. So again, look at verse 9. He says, for this reason also, for this reason also, since the day we heard it. Okay, we've already seen that phrase, right? We've seen that phrase twice, actually, up in the first sections. But now we see that he is giving 
thanks and he is interceding by praying for them. Verse 6, we see that since the day he heard of it or understood it, learned it. And so in that same regard, the since the day you heard is what we see in verse 9, since the day we heard. Since the day we heard, we have not ceased. So what he says in the beginning of the letter is since the day you heard the gospel, you have been bearing fruit and increasing. Since the day we heard of your faith, hope, and love in the gospel, your response to the gospel, God's work in your life, we have been praying for you. That, that's what he's saying. So, you know, this reminds me, um, I grew up in a pastor's home. You guys know that because you hear me talk about this. My dad was here a few weeks ago, and I remember um, seeing dad, um, and, and I'll just say, you know, my mom's not here today, but as a pastor's wife, sometimes it can be a struggle to be a pastor's wife because not only does the man of the home and the woman, not only do you as believers, your first love is who? It's, it's God. It's Jesus Christ. If you love Jesus. You should love Jesus Christ, God, more than you do your spouse. But then you have a pastor who loves God more than his own wife, desires to be with his wife, but there's like this hungering for you. And this is the way you should feel too. Men, you should feel this way. You want to be with your spouse, but there should be a desire to retreat and to be with God. And sometimes we have to just sense that in our spouses and be like, you know what? Just go take some time. You, you do, we, sometimes we don't like that. Come watch a, a movie with me. Come do this with me. And those things are good. I'm not saying don't do those things. But I think it's important for us to recognize that our spouses need encouragement to be alone with God. We need to do that. But as a pastor, there is another really major responsibility. It's a, it's a similar responsibility that we feel for the brethren, the love for the brethren, the concern and care. But as a shepherd of a flock, it's a, it's a greater concern. Um, constantly wanting to make sure that you are in check, that you are with your people, in check with your people, in tune. Just like a shepherd with his sheep, uh, be with them constantly, uh, uh, you know, carrying them if there were uh, damaged or, or wounds or broken legs or limbs. This shepherd is constantly there for the sheep. And as a shepherd's wife, that can be a challenge, especially if the, past, the man is called, but the woman is struggling with that. And so I remember um, there being times in our home that mom would have to set dad down. And I think there was some times where she was right in this and had to say, Rick, you have a family as well. And I know that you love so-and-so or this family or that, but I need you to focus on us for a minute. Park it. Pause it. If they get mad at you and they leave the church, so be it. We need you. And if this isn't right, that won't be right. And there's been those times. There is real struggles in a pastor's family but we feel it too. So it's not that we don't know what that is, but it's just enhanced, if you would. Um, now, Paul, when I read this, and I see in verse 3 that he says, we give thanks to God the Father, and he says, praying always for you. And then in verse 9, it's like he expounds upon that, what that looks like. He says, for this reason also, since the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Now, this is a church that he doesn't even know. Remember, this is a church that he's never visited. And he's in prison in Rome. And he's only heard of the good from this church. So 
Paul's a little different because he's not in one place. So he is traveling, he is starting churches, he is training leaders in those churches, and he's going on to the next. So it's a little different. Paul's love is expanded, but Paul's shepherding is more for the shepherds of the congregation. So Paul shepherds the shepherds. And, and in his ministry, to hear of a work that is doing well by one of his converts and now his sheep... It is bringing him so much joy. But again, not because of what that church has done, but what God is doing in that church. And he is praying for them. Now, what, what hits me though, and I don't want to stay too long on this point, but what hits me, especially as a pastor's son and married to a pastor's daughter, is that he's not just praying for the ones who are in need. He's praying for the ones that are seemingly doing well. And we saw this in Thessalonians as well. When we studied First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, Paul prayed for them, but they were doing well. That was a church that was thriving. And so it's a reminder to us not that we don't need to just focus and pray for those who always have problems. Now, I'm not saying that we don't pray for problems. We don't pray for sicknesses and illnesses. Those things are to be on our prayer list. But it's not just those things. That shouldn't consume all of our time. Because if you think about it, the ones who are serving the Lord faithfully, are in the Word, are doing well seemingly, are the ones who need the most prayer. Because they are the ones who are and will be under attack by Satan. And they probably already are under attack by Satan. So the ones that we see that need prayer visibly, we still pray for them. But we also need not neglect the ones who seem to be doing very well. Um, and so Paul, writing to this church, we already know what he says to the Corinthians. If you haven't studied Corinthians in a while, I'd encourage you to look at that. But that church is very much needful of some major instruction. And we would say some prayer from the Apostle Paul. But he is praying for the church at Colossae. And this church, he's already thanked God for the wonderful things, the, the exhibition of faith, hope, and love. And now he is praying on their behalf continually that they might, what? That they might, basically what we see in Thessalonians, excel and exceed. So keep continuing in the faith that they might continue to grow in the knowledge of his will. And so I think that's important for us to understand because when we feel like in our minds that we've achieved something, maybe we've arrived, maybe this year you've really done well with your Bible reading. Maybe you've read the Revelation series book that we went through um, just this last uh, quarter, and now you are doing well with uh, the homework that in the commentary and you're reading. Maybe you're just feeling like you're, you're doing better. That is when we have to also be very cautious of the pride that we allow ourselves to build, be built up in our life. We have to be cautious. We have to continually pray. We should desire that our pastor, our shepherds, pray for us when we're doing well. Maybe even more so than when we're not. So that we don't fall into the trappings of sin. Now, in verse 9 again, he says that since the day we heard that little phrase, just two little words, of it. You see that in verse 9? Since the day we heard of it. What is it? Well, that goes back to verses 3 through 5. That's the faith and the hope and the love. He's going back to something he's already talked about. Since the day we heard of your faith, your hope, and love, we have not ceased to pray for you. And then look what he says after pray. To pray for you and what? To ask. He says to ask. This is a petition. 
This isn't just a, oh, uh, be with brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so that they might continue. No, this is to beg and to plead, to ask that God might do specific work in these people's lives. But we already know and we've discovered um, that the work is to be put in by ourselves. We can't just like the tests or quizzes that we took in high school and junior high or college and just ask God to recollect, for us to recollect things that we heard because we didn't really study, we didn't prepare. And that was me responding to my dad's prayer for me growing up. I mentioned this a few weeks ago when he was here. But his prayer for me was that I might be, that I might seek after the wisdom of God. I remember the day that I left for college and went to Bryan College in Tennessee. He looked at me and he said, Jeremy, I could care less what you major in. I could care less what your grades are. What the only thing that I'm concerned with is that you seek the wisdom of God. That you stay in God's word. That you study it. That you, that you absorb it. That you get attached to a church. That you serve. That was what he told me as I left. And, uh, you know, to me, even though he was breaking it down and, and explaining it to me, what I heard was that I need to pray for more wisdom from God. But what I was doing was praying for wisdom, but not applying myself. There was no studying God's word to gain the wisdom and knowledge of his will. And so I was just, I would pray. It was part of my natural prayer. God, help me to have wisdom. Okay, and his response was, well, then open the Bible and read it and I'll speak to you, right? I mean, I was still waiting for the still, small voice of God to lead me in his will. I, I remember sitting down with Dr. Held at Bryan College my first semester there. I was just convicted. I was overwhelmed. Um, I was in Bible classes, and I was taking a Greek class, and I was like, I, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I was really just struggling. And we were going through the doctrine of salvation, and my world was just dumped upside down. I was really just trying to figure out who God was. And um, come to the realization that I knew a lot of Sunday school lessons, but I knew not God. I had not been studying him. And Dr. Held looked at me because I was like, I, I, remember I made the comment, I just want to know God's will for my life. And he looked at me and he said, are you being obedient? And I said, well, I don't, I don't know. I came to a Christian college. He's like, well, that means nothing. Are you being obedient? Are you studying the word? He said, because if you're looking for the will of God, he said, if it, the way you're describing that, then I'm still on the hunt for it. He said, but being in the will of God is being a student of God's word, faithfully serving him right where he has planted you. Not constantly searching for whatever, whatever that will is, but to be faithful right where he has you. He said, are you reading God's word? And I, just, I remember tears. I tucked my head and I said, no, I'm not. I'm not really, not like you're describing it. No, I'm, I'm reading some devotionals, and, but no, I'm not studying his word. And he said, well, then you're never going to understand what God's will is for you because you're just like throwing darts in the dark. You have no idea. You need, he said, it's going to take a while. You need to stop trying to play catch up and you just need to start from ground zero. He said, go to Genesis. He said, let's do it together. Just start reading and we'll, we'll start meeting. That was so impactful for me. Let's look at verse 9. He says, for this reason. Now, not only is he giving thanks for them, but he is interceding on their behalf. He says also, uh, he prays for them. He's not ceased to pray for them. And he is asking God for them. He is specifically asking God whatever it is that Epaphras has given him warning of. Now, I, it's, it's very fitting for us to believe that the Colossians were not in sin or a part of um, 
some sort of doctrinal error, but Epaphras was concerned that there was something that was starting to turn the heads of some of the people in his congregation. And so I don't know if it was one particular person within the church or maybe it was just outside influences. Some commentators believe it was one person. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago that all it takes is just one. It just takes one voice of heresy to pull people away. Um, and so whatever it is, Paul is asking God that they might focus on his will. And he says so in his spirit and, um, and also in and understanding, spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, what I want to do for the next few minutes is focus on the phrase that you may be filled, that you may be filled. So in verse 9, we see that since the day we heard of it, that is faith, hope, and love, we have not ceased to pray and to ask that you may be filled, that you may be filled. All right, now this phrase, I'm going to come back to this in my intro next week as well because I want to take you to the Old Testament and look at some um, really neat analogies there. But this, that you may be filled, just strictly New Testament, Paul is petitioning them, the Colossians, to be filled up to the brink, to be filled with the knowledge of his will. That means to not just be taking in, not just to be adding a little bit of Bible reading, a little bit of sprinkling of spiritual thinking or meditation or prayer. He's talking about total control. That's, that's what he's talking about here. The Greek word, um, pleru, pleru is, is just this idea of being filled up to the brim. If you read the commentary this week, that, that, um, that I, chapter 2 in MacArthur's commentary, he gives a lot of different instances that phrase is used throughout the New Testament, specifically by Paul. But even in the Old Testament, and he talks about just different examples of being filled up to the brim filled up and I hope that you were able to examine those I don't really have time to get into a lot of them but we know that through Paul's writings that in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 if you'll just kind of look there hold your place and look at Ephesians that Paul he, he prays for the Ephesians to be filled with the Holy Spirit so back to, to your left Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 he says Look at verse 15. So Ephesians 5 verse 15. Therefore, look carefully how you walk. Look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Look at this. Redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. On account of this, do not be foolish, but understand that what, or understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But he says, be filled with the Spirit. Again, and then you see the outcome of that here, the outpouring of the filling of the Spirit in verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody. What you see from an overflow of the filling of the Spirit, that is the will of God, the filling up of the knowledge of His will, in spiritual wisdom, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that is an outpouring of, you could call it God talk, spiritual language, singing. And so um, we, we put an emphasis on singing here at East Memorial because I think it's important for the believers, even if you don't feel like you can sing, there should be a natural response from someone who is daily digesting the Word to want to express themselves in some way. And the Bible constantly points to 
singing. Throughout the Psalms, we see making music. There, that is an expression of worship. Singing, what we do there in the next hour, is not worship in and of itself. It is an expression of worship because our lives are to be worship unto God. So when we sing, when we make music, when we listen even to the word of God, all of that is an expression of worship. It's an expression of what should be just like pouring out of us. But again, we're not going to have that stuff pouring out of us if we're not being filled up with it. Um, just like if you were to go home today and squeeze your toothpaste, well, hopefully toothpaste comes out. If it's something other than that, that's gross. Um, but when you squeeze it and toothpaste comes out, it's because that's what it's filled with. That's what you d expect it to be filled with. So when a believer is squeezed in stress or trial or temptation, or even when the believer is overflowing with the Spirit, you see joy. You see the life of Christ. You see His His, his um work on the cross and the grace and mercy that he has for us and the ref even the reflection of what we're doing today just overpouring from our lives and it's just outflowing from us doesn't mean that we don't have some moments some air pockets if you would you know sometimes i'll squeeze my toothpaste and it's like pop it's like man what was that you know air got in there somehow every now and then we have those but the the majority of our life the flow of our life the direction of our life is towards christ because that is what we're piling in us we're pumping in jesus christ how how are we doing that by studying god's word that's the only way yes you can listen to brother glenn preach for 27 years but you're not filling yourself up enough if that's it it's like you're just barely getting through the week or to wednesday until wednesday you're not getting you're not being filled up and so what comes out is the excess the movies, the books, the, the language, the conversations, whatever it is that we study, whatever it is that we love more than God. And so when he says to be filled, he is saying total control. He is saying to the Colossians, I ask, I pray, I beg God that you might be completely controlled by the knowledge of his will. Um, that was one example in Ephesians chapter 5 of the Holy Spirit but he says also, look at Ephesians chapter 1, that he desires that we be filled with God himself. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. Look at verse 22. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You see that? So the head of the church, that's Jesus Christ. We are his body. That's the believers of Christ. And the description of us is the fullness of him who fills all in all. Believers are filled up with God. When it says that, it, it, that's, that's the desire that we have. It, it's, it's a both and. It is a expectation and it is also just a natural um, result of being a born again believer. You heard Brother Glenn the last two weeks close his messages with the transfer the transfer of darkness to light. Uh, actually, last week he even emphasized the fact that we didn't just transfer out of darkness. We were darkness. And we didn't just transfer into the light, but we are the light. And what that tells us is that, yeah, we're not perfect, but we are changed. We're completely new people. We're new men and women in God. 
And so it isn't that we're still living the old life, but with a new direction. No, we are completely new. We're new creatures. We aren't just in the dark and now in the light. We were darkness and now we are light. So there is an expectation. And if that isn't real in your life, then the question is, Paul and James both say, test yourselves. Are you of the faith? Now, this being filled up, again, I didn't want to move too quickly past this phrase. And again, I'm going to come back to it in our intro next week because it launches into the next part. But this being filled up with the knowledge is, I want you to see this in verse 9 of Colossians 1. It is the center um, or the, I, you could even say the main content of Paul's prayer. It is the main content. For this reason, we pray, we ask. Why? We ask what? It is that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. That's the content. And if you'll just jump down to verse 10 with me, you'll see that the purpose for the content the purpose of being filled up with the knowledge of his will in verse 10 is so that you will walk in a manner worthy, worthy of the Lord. The purpose of his asking God and of his telling them, he's praying for them to continue to be filled with the knowledge of his will is that they might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. See, that's another expectation. It's, a, it's the identification of those that are the light, those that are new creatures, they don't just try to absorb knowledge for the sake of knowledge. No, they are searching the scriptures to understand God, not that they can just be puffed up and tell everybody how much they know. It is so that they might obey. It is that they might walk. And it doesn't just say that you just try your best. No, it actually says that they might walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, that is worthy of the most perfect, the holy of holies the righteous one, the standard of holiness. That's a, that is a level of achievement that we can never just be complacent and think we've arrived. If, you've, if you ever think, well, I've got enough knowledge. Yeah, I know what the Bible says. I don't really need to read through it again. I'm telling you guys, that is not what the Holy Spirit does within us. The prayer here and our prayer for you as well is to see the cross before you every day. That he bore the cross for our sins on our behalf so that we can be saved. Not that, that we might be, but his cross bearing that and dying on it and suffering was for God's glory and it was to bring along his children. And it wasn't just so that we might have a new direction. It was that we might be transferred out of darkness, from darkness, and into the light and be called the light. Why? The whole purpose of, of knowing him more is to walk in a manner worthy. I don't know about you guys, but I wake up every day and realize I am so unworthy. I am so unworthy, but that's the beauty of the cross. My head is lifted every morning. I don't waller in my filthiness. I lift my head every morning and recognize I am unworthy, but it is because of Christ. I am worthy. But I need to know him more so that I can walk today in a manner that is worthy of him. And then look at the second part of verse 10. Why do we walk in a manner worthy? Why is that the purpose? And the purpose is to please him in everything. He says, my prayer is that you might, is that you might uh, 
understand the knowledge of his will. And he says, why? The purpose is so that you are, the, the purpose is to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Why? Because our desire is to please him. And he doesn't just stop there. Our purpose is of pleasing him in every way, in all respects. So not just like, okay, I've pleased him today. I've given him 10 minutes of Bible reading. No, it's, it's in all things. Guys, this is humbling. We all are at the same level at the foot of the cross. None of us have got this. All of us need help in this. We need encouragement. But it is because of the cross that we can all stand there. And guess what? When we look at the cross, the cross symbolizes that something had to take place for us. Why? Because we're not perfect. And so there is not one person in this room that could ever stand before the rest of this group and us deny him because of their great sin. Every one of us stands before the cross and every one of us has our sin exposed because every one of us needed that cross. Everyone. Everyone stands the same at the cross. The homosexuals who deny him that was once us. It could have been us. It would have been us if it were not for the grace of God. Those who are cohabitating, living with people who are not their spouse before the living God, and they're having any sort of sexual acts with anyone outside of marriage, that is an abomination to the Lord, and he looks upon that the same as he looks upon a homosexual. Those who have a lying tongue. And guys, I, I see adults all the time that just lie for the sake of lying. But their sin's already exposed at the foot of the cross. All of us who seem like we have it all together and we don't want to paint any picture that we don't. Guess what? Our sins have already been exposed. We already know how dirty and rotten and wretched each one of us already is. Because Christ had to die for us. So it, there, there is no heirs to put on. This should break down barriers. I know the social norms say differently, but this should break down barriers. If we walk around acting like we've never done anything wrong, just like I told you before, my dad never made a bad grade. That's what he used to always tell me until I went through grandma's attic when they died and saw some of his grades. He always made honor roll. And then I was like, wait a second here. You've got some C's and D's, you know, back in the 7th and 8th grade. What about that? Oh, that didn't count. What do you mean that didn't count? You always told me. You see, there was no room there. I mean, I just felt like a failure my whole life. But now, now, I see where my genes came from. It came straight from Dad. And I didn't always have A's and B's. I say that in jo joking. We need to be open and honest with our kids. If our kids don't see that we're just real people, struggling with real sin, then they're going to never feel like they're achieving to something. They're going to go through life not understanding truly the grace of God. So, guys, if you, we're going to pick this back up next week, but what we see here is that he is begging them to be in the Word, to know the will of God, so that they might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, and the whole purpose is to bring him glory. It's to please him, not just in one thing, not just in this little bit of thing, but in everything, in all respects, in our eating, our sleeping, our waking, everything, everything. We'll pick this up next week. Let's pray. Father, it's good to be with you today. God, we are so grateful and thankful that 
It didn't just end with the cross. Saturday was so silent. God, we read your scripture and we know that Mary's, the Marys and the disciples were all just in mourning. It was just really a sad time. You didn't speak. There was no noise. There was nothing to be heard. But God, Sunday morning came. And you rose from the dead. And as the Marys went to the tomb to anoint your body, the angel said, don't be afraid. His body hasn't been stolen. He is not here. Just as he said, he's alive. Now go and tell everybody. And God, we see that every count of those who finally saw you, there were some who doubted, but finally saw you, all of those accounts give indication that their immediate response, like Paul on Damascus Road, was to preach, to spread the word. So God, as we've been removed from darkness to light, our natural response should be to be overflowing with the love and grace and mercy that you've given us. So God, help us to be students of your word so that we might walk in a manner worthy of you in order to please you in all things. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are glad you joined us today. If you have any questions about what was discussed on today's podcast, send us a message on Facebook. Email us at info at eastmemorial.org or call our church office at 334-365-7500. Thanks for listening.